Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Romans chapter number 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present. Ain't nobody going to correct me? That you present your body. That you gift your body. Are y'all following me? I beseech you, brethren, based on how good God's been to you, that you give him a present. Oh, God. Present. In other words, it's not a gift if it's demanded. It's religion. It's, it's not a present. I, for the first time, oh, Jesus. I think since we got married. I've been married 33 years and I just bought you a ring. That just dawned on me. For the first time since a wedding ring, I bought my wife a ring this year for Christmas. And she cried. She does this. And I'm telling you, she was so impressed with me. <laughs> And it meant so much, but it wouldn't have meant anything if she'd have said, you're going to buy me a ring this year. The cost would have been the same. The ring would have looked the same. The box would have been the same, but it would have been unacceptable if I was obligated to give it to her. It would have been detestable. Present your bodies. Present your bodies. Gift your bodies. I beseech you, and this is why I want you to do it, because he's been so good to you. That I want you to present everything you are as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And I want you all to read in concert with me the last phrase, which is, It's the most logical thing to do when you consider how good he's been to you. There ain't no obligation involved when you realize how good he's been to you. So if we have problems giving to God, it's because we have a warped understanding of how much he's given you. Amen? That's where we're going today. Give me 2 Chronicles. Chapter number 7. I'm just going to turn there so you got time to turn there. Does anybody carry a Bible anymore? I mean, besides your phone. Uh, I felt guilty because I was on my phone during worship, but I wasn't texting or doing Facebook. I was looking up a scripture. Okay? Okay. Uh, Matter of fact, before I read that scripture, Josh, can you just click on another one for me? This is the one God gave me during worship. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. Can you run us over there? Y'all stay where you are there. And Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, 36, and I'm going to read down through 40. I'm just going to read the screen, Josh, so you carry me on. 
There was a lawyer that asked Jesus, said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, This is the first and the great commandment. And the second one is just like it, meaning just as great, just as powerful. That you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He said, these are the only two things you got to get right and everything is right. If you love God, it'll take care of everything. If you love people, it'll take care of everything. It'll take care of envy, strife, jealousy, division. He said, "That's." He said, on these two, in other words, love is the nail that everything is hung on. That if you lose that nail, everything else falls to the ground. Everything else falls to the ground. Okay, uh, let's go back to 2 Chronicles. I want to say is, 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 is before we go into the scripture, it's an honor to have our friends from California. Y'all kind of wave at everybody sitting right here in the middle. Uh, these two are a phenomenal couple to doing things for the body of Christ. It's unbelievable. She runs team challenges all over the world, literally. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't be so humble. Amen. God is using her to change thousands of women's lives through Teen Challenge drug uh, uh, abuse uh, ministry that they have. They did just suffer the fires, burnt the whole Teen Challenge down, didn't it? One section of the Teen Challenge down. But she said God is already opening up doors and uh, that God's going to rebuild it bigger and better. Keep up the good work. It's good to have you guys with us. Second uh, Chronicles chapter number 7. Uh, I started to say a while ago that God gave us a theme beginning in November of restoring the greatness of the church. And we've been titling the place. In other words, God chose a certain place to put his spirit. Uh, I thought it would be a one month long, but we've been through it uh, now uh, for two months. Tonight, today may be closing out the series on restoring the greatness of the church. But something supernatural has already happened in this building. And as I preach today, something supernatural is about to happen in your life. Will you prepare your hearts to be baptized with the love of God? Amen. We're going to pray that prayer in a minute. I need you to prepare your hearts and lives to be infused with nothing less than the love of God. Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place. Underline that in your Bible. I have chosen this place for myself for a house of sacrifice. I need you to repeat that with me. I have chosen this place to myself 
for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Now my eyes, somebody shout eyes. Thank you. My eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name, somebody shout name, that my name may be there forever and my eyes, somebody shout eyes, my eyes and my, thank you, my heart shall be there perpetually. Let's pray together. Father, I am amazed at the presence, your presence that is in this building with us this morning. We are very well aware of it. Hearts have already been touched because of your presence. But Father, I'm asking you right now to open up our spirits for the preaching of the word. God, not just another sermon, but let there be transformation in this building today. We open up our hearts and say, Father, baptize us in your love this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. amen. The place. Same title for nearly two months. The place. We know that God is omnipresent. Omnipresent meaning God is everywhere at the same time. Amen. Uh, you may not know the terminology but that's what omnipresent means. We're all aware that there is no place on earth that God's presence is not there. Amen. Uh, he is so big and his presence is so pervading that he is everywhere at the same time. Amen. But this, teacher, this scripture teaches us even though he's omnipresent, and his presence is everywhere. He has a certain place where his eyes are. He has a certain place where his ears are. He has a certain place where his heart is. Amen. Just, just kind of go with me. Amen. And, and that place has to be a conducive place of holiness to be able to host a holy God. Amen? Not, not for his safety, but for your safety. For your safety. You got to catch this right here. Amen? Why? Why for my safety? Because God is a consuming fire. And if he let his person be everywhere his presence is, it would consume everything that don't look like him. What do you, what do you mean by that? I mean... The, the prodigal son found himself in the hog pen. And God's omnipresence was there in a way that it brought conviction to him. But the son was brought out of an evil place and went to the father's house and experienced the person of the father. Amen. 
I, I always give my testimony, amen, that when I was running the beer joints and was a drunk, that God was always on the bar stool beside me. Anybody ever had that feeling? Y'all are sure looking sanctimonious this morning. <laughs> Some of y'all was in worse places than a beer joint. But, but if he's there and he's so holy, how can he behold all this going on? How can he hear all the vulgarity? How can his heart be in such a vulgar place when he is so holy? Amen. It cannot and it will not. But his omnipresence was there. Amen. That brought me conviction. That brought me to a place where he does manifest his person. Amen. Am I making sense to you? So, so I don't know if you've ever thought about it. Does God listen to all the vulgarity? Does God listen to all the nasty jokes? Amen. He said, my ear can't hear that. Because I'm holy. Amen. Can, can he see all of the, the perversion? Can, does he have to watch all the perversion? No, he cannot. He cannot and he will not. Because he is holy. Amen. But his omnipresence is there. Somebody ought to say thank you Jesus. It's there no matter how perverted you get, no matter how foul-mouthed you get, no matter how ugly you get, there is a presence available to you that'll pull you out. Amen. Oh, my God. Somebody said, I found God. No, you didn't find God. His, his omnipresence convicted you in an evil place, and it brought you from presence to person. Oh my God, it brought you from presence to person where now his eyes is open to your prayer and his ears are open to your prayer and his heart is with you. Can I get a witness? Amen. Ain't he good that he let his presence be everywhere? But the good news is there is a place he put his person. He's in my ears in that place. I hear your prayer. My eye is in this place, this certain place. And in that place, I see the need. And I am Jehovah Jireh. When I see, I provide. And he said, and my heart is in that place. So the whole teaching for two months is God is rebuilding the place to put his eyes back there. So what are the characteristics of that place? Are you with me? This has always been the case, amen, that he always had a place. Matter of fact, I, I need to, are, are y'all with me? Can I, can I back up just a little bit that he always had to have a certain place, even though his presence is every place? He had to have a certain place for his person to be. His person to be, his eyes, his ears, his heart, his, his hand. Matter of fact, you remember what Moses told Pharaoh? He went into Egypt and said, Pharaoh, you got to let our people go because there's a place out there and I got to get the people to that place. Remember Mount Sinai? I got to get the people to that place so they can experience the person of God. So God from the very beginning was always looking for a place to dwell, not just for his presence to be because his presence is everywhere. He said, I've been always looking for a place to, to put my person. Amen. As a matter of fact, Moses went up on that mountain and got the law. Catch this now. 
He went up that mountain at the place of God and got the law. But he came back down the mountain still filled with Moses. Because they were worshiping a false god. And he took the Ten Commandments and he broke them. So Moses went back up the mountain, same place, higher proximity. Because when he went back the second time, he said, I want to see your glory. And God said, well, there is a place. But you're going to have to come up higher. Catch this. So Moses went a little higher and got the same law, but got the spirit with the law and came back down in the glory of God. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you can be at the right place, but at a too low of a proximity. In every word, you can be in the right place, but never go higher enough, and all you ever get is religion. You'll get the legality of the law, and it's all on demands and not relationship. And you'll come back and be judgmental and end up with righteous indignation breaking all the commandments. Oh my God, did y'all catch that? Because the commandment is loving God and loving people, but he was so mad at the people, he broke what was good. So there's a danger of being in the right place, but not the right proximity. And all you have is the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Somebody needs to nudge your neighbor right now and say, we need to come up a little higher. Tell them, you're in the right place. We're at wrong level. You're in the right place, but wrong level. You got to come up a little bit. So there is a place that God always had to have. He had, to, he had Solomon's temple. He said, that's the place. I'm going to put my eyes. I'm going to put my heart. What was the third one? My eyes and my ears. It's going to be in this place. That's why every year... Every Jew had to make three trips to Jerusalem. It didn't matter if it was five miles they lived away from Jerusalem or like Mary and Joseph, 65 miles from Jerusalem. Three times a year, they had to get to the place. Why? He was omnipresent everywhere, but his person was in Jerusalem. So three times a year, they had to travel to where God is, to where he decided to put his name to where he decided to put his presence. Are you going with me? Amen. I mean, that was what the dialogue was about at the woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well? She told Jesus, I perceive you're a prophet. Amen. He said, go get your husband. She said, I don't got one. He said, yeah, I know you don't. You've had five men, four men. Now you're shacking up. And, and he said, you say, we're supposed to work, worship in, on Mount, in Mount uh, Samaria. The Jews say you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. He said, but I tell you, everything's about to change. And they that worship me are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. So anyway, it was all about location. Somebody shout location. And at that location that God chose, he put his ear, he puts his eye, and he puts his heart. In his house. That's his dwelling place. That's his dwelling place. So my text says, there is a certain place with specific characteristics that God chooses to dwell and manifest who he is. 
And the first clue he gives us in 2 Chronicles is, my house shall be called a house of sacrifice. My house shall be a house of sacrifice. And if you're not careful, you'll miss what God is saying because you'll think, oh God, it's just a place where we come and go through obligational duty and we bring our sacrifices and offer them up to God and we got to drag the bleating goats and the, the, the sheep into a place, amen, because God said I'm supposed to be sacrificing, amen. We'll think it's a place I got to drag in here Sunday morning like Kamal was saying and I got to lift my hands to God, amen, and we call it sacrifice. But we've lost the meaning of what God was showing us in the Old Testament because to sacrifice an object is an act of worship. Amen? Remember, I, I, I taught last uh, week before last that Abraham took his son up on the mountain and what did he say we're going to go do? We're going to worship. But in, in reality, he was going to offer something that was very valuable to him. So to sacrifice an object was an act of worship. Catch this. We're going to lay a foundation. We're going to deposit something in your spirit. And the value or the worth of the thing you sacrifice is the reflection of the value or the worth you put on the object you're worshiping. So God is actually saying, the only measurement I have of your devotion is what you're willing to sacrifice. So the whole Old Testament was built upon a sacrificial system which was nothing more than a value system. Amen? Because worship, I've already taught you, means worthiness. It means to acknowledge the worth of something. And worth can only be measured by a sacrificial offering. You want to write that down? Worth, value, can only be measured by what you're willing to give. In other words, worth or value is in the eye of the beholder. Amen? I said worth or value is in the eye of the, uh, of the beholder. And that value can only be measured by what you're willing to sacrifice to get it. Amen? You can tell how valuable something is by how much you're willing to pay to get it. You can tell how valuable something is by how much you're willing to sacrifice to acquire it. But here's the statement I want you to get. So it's clear that sacrifice established value. And you only value the things you love. TV, programs, hunting, fishing. I don't know. What do you love? Well, I'm not sure what you love. Let me help you find out what you love. Look at your checkbook. Do a budget on your time. Do a budget on your time. Amen. You may say you love this, but do a budget on your time and hold them up to one another and it will be telling you where your real value is because you're going to spend time on what you love. 
And it's so easy. I just love God. I just love God. It's finna get deep, y'all. I just love God. I just love God. You know, I didn't have time to pray. I didn't have time to study. What are y'all laughing about? I'm just checking my Facebook. Huh? I, I didn't have time to spend time with God. I didn't have time to feed my spirit. Oh, my Jesus. I didn't know. Did y'all know? Amen. So it's so easy to Deceive ourselves with how much we love God when God is still looking at the value system. He ain't listening what's coming out of your mouth, amen. He's checking your value system because he set the value system. So in reality, when God said, my house shall be a, call, uh, shall be a house of sacrifice, he was actually saying, my house shall be a house of love. Are y'all getting it? Amen. It shall be a house of love. Because the only way love can be measured is by measuring the sacrifice you're willing to make. Love is demonstrative by nature. Words mean nothing. Oh, I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. Oh, yeah? Well, why are you not willing to lay down your opinion for me? Oh, oh. Oh, yeah? You love me? Well, love can only be measured by sacrifice, and you're saying one thing, but you're holding to your opinion, and it's wrecking everything we have together. When love will present, love will present, love will give us a gift, love will give away and do without. And the measure of your love can only be measured by the measure of what you're willing to sacrifice. And some of you sitting in this, some of us in this building wouldn't give up our opinion for the Pope. Yeah, I wouldn't. Amen. And that's why marriages don't know how to communicate anymore because we don't understand communicating is presenting. Communicating, amen, is dialogue, not monologue. Most of you get into arguments and it ain't nothing but monologue waiting on the other one to shut up. Oh, I'm teaching better than you shouting right now. Why? Because there's a love problem and I'm not willing to submit. I'm not willing to surrender. I didn't say if you was right or wrong, but God said, if you'll humble yourself, I'll exalt you. If, he said, my house is a house of sacrifice. My house is not a house where people fight for their own will and fight for one another. They will submit. They will surrender. They will yield their bodies as a living sacrifice. Amen. Oh my God. Are y'all getting this? Now remember, I'm going to show you the, the characteristics of the house where God said, when I get this house built, I'm going to put my name there. You know what that means? That means his power, his authority, his dominion, and his fame. He said, I'll make myself famous in my house because it's a house of love. 
He said, when when the house is full of this sacrificial love, he said, I'll become so famous, they'll come from everywhere to be a part of my house. God, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Amen. Uh, uh, But we say we love one another and fight fight one another. We say we love one another and we'll not sacrifice for one another. Are y'all getting this this morning? And he said, love is by nature. Love is not a Hallmark card. Love is not a letter written. Love is a sacrificial act. Love is a giving up of something. We, We mistake love and lust. Lust takes. Love gives. Amen. And I'm not just talking about sex. We lust to be right. We lust to be right. And I'm going to be right. And when you quit shut up screaming, I'm going to start screaming. Amen. Because I have a lust, an inordinate desire to be right. And I refuse to nail my lust to the cross. Long enough for God to speak for me. Somebody ought to get this, amen. But if I would learn to come into the house of the Lord, if I would learn to live and present my body as a living sacrifice, then I could see the resurrection power of Christ begin to heal relationships. Oh, this is too much, amen. This is marriage seminar stuff here. Amen. You'll never be first because you lust to be first. You'll only be first when you put your brother first. Amen. You'll never be heard because you lust to be heard. You'll only be heard when you start allowing yourself to hear somebody else. God Almighty, is anybody listening to me? God said, this is the house where I'm going to put my name. This is the house I'm going to make famous. This is the house I'm going to hear what they're saying when they're praying. This is the house that I'm going to put my very heart there. And it's a house of sacrifice. God said, because when I see sacrifice, I see love. Love. Amen. And it might not even be that I'm sacrificing for you, Mike, because I love you. But if I love him... Amen. Then it don't matter what you're doing or how you're acting or how you're speaking to me. Or, are y'all getting it? Or how you're treating me. My love for him makes me present. Oh, my God. And he said, when you learn how to sacrifice right, I'll move my omnipresence out and bring my person. And when I bring my person, my heart's there. My ear is there. And my eyes there. And when you pray, I listen. God Almighty. So the only way to, God, I'm hung up here. Y'all pray for me. The only way love can be measured is by the sacrifice you're willing to make. So, side note, if you're a Christian in this place this morning, you should have no problem comprehending how valuable you are. It's hot in this place, ain't it? Heaters is working good this winter. I'm going to say that again because somebody needs this word before I move on. If you're a Christian, you should have no problem realizing how valuable you are. 
All you have to do is measure the sacrifice God was willing to make to redeem you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're so valuable. You're so valuable. Somebody needs to hear that. That may not mean much to you, but somebody needs to hear that because we've measured ourselves by our own value system. And we've measured ourselves by the value system of others. But if you really want to know how valuable you are, God said, I put a system in place. Amen. He said, if you're going to take an appraisal of your value, all I need you to do is look at the price I paid to redeem you. Look at the sacrifice. Don't look at anything else. Look what I I was willing to give to get you. Oh, God. Oh, God. I said, if you want to measure how much you're worth to God, all you have to do is measure the sacrificial ransom to get you back. To get you back. Did you hear what I said? To get you back. I don't know about you, but I may not have no problem loving you one time. But don't do me wrong. Oh, y'all are scared to be real. Y'all are scared to be real. Amen. I can love you because you were doing the right things. I can love you because there was perpetuality. Is that the right word? Seemed awful big. I don't know where it came from. Amen. It was coming back. It was coming back. It was coming back. So I don't have a problem loving you. Amen. But when you quit loving me, and you drag me through the dirt and you drag me through the mud. Are you listening to me? And you take the most important thing about me or the most precious thing about me, which is my heart and my feelings, and you break it and you smash it and you destroy it. Well, it's a whole new ball game now because I'm over you. I'm through with you. I have... I, I have a little more reluctancy that even when you say you love me, I say, mm-hmm. Boy, I am preaching better than you shouting right now. Just sit right there. I'm coming. I'm getting up in your business. I'm climbing up on your kitchen table. I'm going to step in your mashed taters today. Amen? Because I spent everything I had for you. I spent everything. I bankrupt my heart for you and you thought it was nothing and you left it and you throwed it down and you went off with another lover. Are you listening to me? Amen. But let me tell you about a God. Amen. That every one of us was God haters and every one of us was perverted in our own way and God said, I didn't just love you before you got ugly. I still love you after and you he said, and even though you're in bondage and you're a slave and you're filthy and you're dirty, amen. He said, watch the ransom. Watch the ransom, amen. Just let me, let me get my wallet out. What's it gonna cost me to get her back? What's it gonna cost me to get you back, amen? Because my love cannot be extinguished. I don't care what you do, where you go. Give me, where's my wallet? 
Oh my God, is anybody in this place? He didn't say, I bought you the first time. He said, I'm going to buy you back. I'm going to buy you back. Oh my God, I want to preach Hosea. Was it Hosea? I want to preach him right now. He's standing at the auction block and they're auctioning off his wife who went off and had babies from other people. And they're saying, 30 pieces of silver going once. And Hosea said, I'll take her. I'll take her. What do you mean you'll take her? She's ruined your reputation. She's run around on you. People are talking about you. I'll take her. My God, is anybody in this place? I said, I'll ransom. I'll ransom. Amen. So, so I can tell how much you love me by how, how high of a ransom you're willing to pay. He said, because it's going to cost something to get this bride back. <laughs> it's going to cost something. It's going to cost more than money. It's going to cost more than silver. It's going to cost more than gold. The things that you think are so valuable. Amen. He said that stuff is corrupt. Amen. When you put it beside what it's going to cost to ransom, to ransom you back to God. He said it's going to take blood to get this one. I laugh at you men, some, us men sometimes. He said, husband loves the, your wives like Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, somebody say he gave. Husbands love you. You can't love your wives right because you don't know how much he loved you. That's why we have a problem loving because we don't understand how much he loved us. Oh, she ought to know I love her. I paid a light bill. Oh, God, this is too much for Sunday morning. Let me try this bunch over here. Freddie's giving me that dog eye over there. I'm moving over here. He'll write me a ticket next week. Mm, she ought to know I love her. I go to work every day. She, she, oh, God, I feel this. She, she ought to know I love her. Amen. She gets that paycheck. Amen. He didn't say present a light bill. He didn't say present a car. He didn't say present a house. No, he asked for something more valuable than a car. Present yourself. Present yourself. It's easier to give you a 20 than a love. It's easier for me to give up stuff than give up me. Because I worship at the idol of me. He said, my house shall be called a house of sacrifice where it's costly demonstrating itself by love. Amen. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself. The one thing you consider valuable, you, valuable you're not giving at all. That within itself tells you where your value system is. So that scripture means nothing to us, God, who don't know how much he loved us. Husbands, love your wives like Jesus. Love the church. And he did nothing wrong and said, put a nail in each hand. He did nothing wrong and said, I'll submit my will because I want to ransom you. Can I help somebody right here? And then I got a message I got to preach, amen. If you would quit fighting, amen, in your will and sacrifice your will, God would give you the will that you really need. Yes. 
He will even give you what you're really fighting for. Amen. Abraham's greatest sacrificial expression of love was when he raised his hand to take the, the son and Jesus said, back up. Back up. I don't want you, son. I want your will. And if you'll give me your will, I'll give you your son. Oh, my God, hear me, husbands and wives. He ain't wanting you to lose. He's wanting you to win. You can't lose by losing. God Almighty. That's why the Bible says he that saves his life is going to lose it. But if you just lose your will, I'll give you what you really want and don't know how to get. And it'll be so pure and so right. Is anybody hearing this preacher this morning? It'll be so real and so right and so powerful. And there won't be this systematic cycle you go through every season. He said, my house shall be. So I, I'm trying to get to my sermon, but you got to know how valuable you are. So all you got to do is stop and do an appraisal. Value is only determined by sacrifice. So God said, he said, and John penned it in chapter number three and verse number 16. For God, I hear y'all quoting it all over. Y'all act like y'all know that verse. I bet this little fellow right here can quote John three sixteen, can he? I bet you know it. For God loved you so much that his love was demonstrated by laying his only begotten son on a rugged tree and killing him. I'll tell you right now, I'll give you me, but I will not give you my boy. You hear me? And I know you're just like me, Justin. I'll give you me, no questions asked. I'll give you me, no questions asked. And it won't even take love to do it because I don't care nothing about you. Amen? It don't take nothing to give me. But you ain't getting my son. <laughs> you ain't getting my son. You ain't getting my son. Is anybody listening to me preach? You ain't getting my son. It would have been so easy. It would be so easy, and I ain't exaggerating, for me to lay down on a cross and you nail me to it if I was protecting that boy back there. Amen. I wouldn't think it was unreasonable. Is anybody in this place? I wouldn't think it was unreasonable. Amen. With every nail, I wouldn't be saying, I don't know if I should have done this. I would be saying, do it. Do it. Do it. But when it comes to giving my son Do you know that's what he did for you? Do you know that's what God did for you? That he was beat so beyond recognition that the father had to turn his back and said it cost so much. It cost so much. Angels didn't know what was going on. And angels must have been standing in heaven saying, I don't see the value. 
I can't see why. It said they didn't know. They didn't understand what God was doing. It was a secret. And can you imagine when heaven was measuring your perversion with Christ's holiness? When he was measuring your disobedience with Christ's holiness. And heaven was being bankrupt because of your value. Because your value. They were saying. He was saying, I, I don't know. I, your Bible teaches that they didn't understand. They must have been pacing back and forth, said, you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We spent an eternity with that Christ. Amen. We have dwelled in the heavens with that Christ. He ain't never said a false word. He ain't never done nothing. And God, you got him laid there like he's a sinner. Amen. They didn't understand the ransom price. Amen. And what held God steady was his love for me. His love for me. So when God said, my house shall be a house of sacrifice, nobody but God knew what it was going to cost him to build this house. When God said, my house shall be a house of sacrifice, Only he knew. If I'm going to build a house on love, then the foundation has to be love. The foundation has to be love. And every builder knows the foundation has to be the strongest part of the building. Because the strength of this building is in the foundation. And greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. He said, so the very foundation, the earmark, is going to be a sacrificial love that has no boundaries. Not a love that says, I love you when you love me. I'll only love you if you love me. And I'll only give a present in retribution to a present given. He said, no, I'm laying this house on a foundation. (laughs) Listen to this scripture. Romans 5 says, it would be an, an extraordinary thing for one to give his life for a good man. He said, that would be extraordinary. In other words, not just anybody would even do that. Amen. Outside your family, you know some good people. But would you say, look, Nathan, you messed up, but you're a good man. And I think a lot of you, so you got to pay the price. So I'm going to die in your place. And you can just keep right on living. I love you a lot. (laughs) What are y'all laughing at? but I don't know if I'd do it. And here's the deal with this statement. You might say you'd do it for me until they finna blow your brains out. And then common sense would step in. Well, I got a wife to take care of, brother. I love you. Bye. (laughs) 
Well, go ahead. I got you. Are y'all following me? He said, so, so peradventure, maybe someone would be noble enough to step up and give their life for a really good man that you would think deserves to live enough that you would give your life. He said, but Romans, uh, that next verse says, but God proves his love to us that while we were sinners, he said, I'll go. He didn't die for you because you turned to him. He died for you so you could if you ever wanted to. <laughs> he died for you on credit. You have... <laughs> You, you don't know it, but you have a credit that's been deposited to your assets. <laughs> you, you may not know it, but there's a credit already deposited for your healing that you can cash in anytime you want to. And he didn't know if you ever even would, but he said, I'm going to go ahead and put it in the bank account <laughs> because it's not my will that any would perish, so I'm going to pay the price for everybody whether they ever tap into it or not. Oh, I'm, I'm just stuck right here. I'm stuck right here. Because you see, you can't love effectively. He said, my house shall be called a house of sacrifice because love, love always. Somebody shout always. Love always demonstrates itself in sacrifice. And the greater the love, the greater the sacrifice. Can I tell you a little newlywed something right now? Y'all still on your little honeymoon. Can I get a witness from somebody that's married 30 years? Them honeymoons don't last 30 years. Is yours over yet? Good answer. Kobe's back there. No, he's not. Are you listening to me? You don't even know how much you love her until you have hell with her. Oh, 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 I remarried my wife after our second divorce. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> remarried just brought that out of me. I renewed my vows with my wife. In how many years? 30 years. And there was something totally different when I said, I still do. There ain't nothing no more shallower than when we stand before a, 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 a church and say, I do, till death do us part, through sickness and in hell, through ritual. We ain't got a clue. And we just are infatuated with more lust than love. Somebody ought to help me in this place, amen. Hey, listen to me. But you don't even know how love your deep runs until you have to surrender your will just to get through the day. You, you don't even know how much you really love. And you'll never see how much they love you until you live with them a while and see just how much they're willing to give up. Oh my God, are y'all getting this? Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to rewrite marriage vows. Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? We'll see. That's why we ought to start doing it. Oh, my God. That's why we ought to start doing it because that's the way people are getting married nowadays. 
That's the way people are getting married nowadays. And we'll just see if he jumps through the right hoops, says the right thing, and does the right thing, this relationship's going to work. But God said, my house, somebody say my house. My house shall be built. My house is a house of sacrifice because sacrifice is always demonstrating its love. And you can't sacrifice nothing on the altar of love that God will not give back to you. But the good deal is, you kill the tainted version, he gives you the perfect version. Oh my God. Oh my God. Can we go a little deeper? So the greater the love, the greater the sacrifice. So when God said, my house would be a house of sacrifice, he wasn't saying my house would be a house of obligational duty. Oh my God. But it will be a house of expression where true love is expressed by your sacrifice. Nobody will have a problem identifying my house because there's an expression of love that's constantly coming out of my house and it's sacrificing my will for somebody else. He said, when I see that house, boom, my omnipresence turns to person. I start hearing your prayers. I start seeing your need. And I put my heart there, and I become famous there, and I bring people there. He said, the only place I will draw people to is the house of sacrifice, because that's my house. It's a house of love. And, and I'm doing this for their safety because they may not look like you think they ought to look. They may not talk like you think they ought to talk. They have, may have a questionable background. They may be involved in perversion. Amen. And if you don't understand my love, you'll misrepresent me. So I'm not going to put my fame there. I'm not going to put my name there. And I'm not going to put my heart there. He said, but when you learn how to love and your life present, 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 present your body as a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Living in sacrifice. Somebody say it with me. Living in sacrifice. Now let's say it. Living in love. Living. Not moving in and out. Fluky preached that last night. I'm not moving in and out of love based on temperature. He said, my house. He said, I want you to present. But, but remember. Remember. It has to be a present. God said, I, away with all this, this obligation of worship. Away with all this mouth stuff. Sunday morning, I can't judge if you love me tonight. I start judging Monday morning. He said, the system don't even work on Sunday because everybody's offering up the same stuff. But on Monday, I can start judging how much you're thinking about me. Amen. And, 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 and that's how I can measure love. And when my, my house gets to that place to where it's living in sacrifice, to where everywhere I walk, 
Present means to yield. You know, when you when you when you two cars are trying to go down the same road, somebody's got to yield. <laughs> I just heard somebody say it ain't gonna be me. <clears throat> you know, when you leave Walmart on West Monroe, you know, and you're gonna come home for you that live down here in God's country, you go over and you go to that light. And you take a left to go to Highway 20, Interstate 20, right? Well, two lanes goes that way. And there was a truck beside me the other day. <laughs> this is the way some of us live our lives. Who cares who gets on the interstate first? But it's my will. God Almighty. God Almighty. Some of you are married to people you're sitting there. We'll see who gets on interstate first. God, this is too rich, isn't it? It was a big truck, Coke truck. And I'm telling you, he was, he was as adamant as I was. But I'm proud to say I got him. <laughs> I made him yield. What are you laughing at, Mike? You act like you was just right there with me. Are you listening to me? So to present means to yield your will, your right of way, so someone else can go first. Is anybody? He said, when you present your life as a yielded life, as a yielded life, amen, when it comes to your brother, your sister, your spouse, your God. He said, Abraham, when you yield your will and raise the knife to take the thing you love the most, he'll say, back up. Back up, don't do it. He said, in blessing, I'm going to bless you. In multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. And Scott, your prophetic word last night, he said, matter of fact, through your yielding, your children are not going to be broken all their life. They're going to be delivered and their children's children. Oh, somebody needs to break the curse in your life by learning how to yield. If not, you're going to pass it right on down to your children. Somebody ought to help me right now. But if you learn how to yield now, he said, your seed's going to possess the gate of their enemies because you was willing to raise. <laughs> Come on, Bamberg, raise your knife up. Come on, everybody all over the building, raise it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. Hold it up for just a minute. Raise it up. That means you're finna kill something. And you know what you're finna kill? Your son. Oh, no, keep it up. Come on, y'all ain't that weak. Keep it up. Somebody said, <laughs> Don't let it fall. Your son's under there. Your will's under there. Your opinion's under there. <laughs> I done lost half of you. Let's try the other one for a while. <laughs> Amen. Are you listening to me? He said, if you'll live with knife in hand, ready to crucify your flesh at any given moment, he'll say, I'll say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Put my name, God Almighty, put my name there. Put my ear there. Put my heart there. He said, that's it. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Amen. And we wonder why we fight all the time and struggle all the time. It's because we're getting ahead of me. Every one of y'all going to remember this message next time you leave Walmart. <laughs> y'all going to be looking over there. To, if you want to find me at that light, just look over at Texas Roadhouse. You'll find me. <laughs> but they're going to say, Pastor's probably here watching somewhere. <laughs> 
You want him to bring his person to his omnipresence. Learn how to walk in obedience when you would rather be doing something else. I used to think this was obligational duty, but now I understand it's love. Expressed through my willingness to surrender my will. My wife's dream was to go watch a college football game. I could care less. No, I couldn't care less is the way that goes. About some crazy dude getting drunk and spilling beer on my neck while I'm trying to watch a game I cannot see. But Tammy and Jimbo afforded me and her the privilege. So I yielded. Sometimes we do things we're not crazy to do because I don't love football, but I love you. Shut up. Shut up. We good now? Come on, watch me work this thing. That put a spring in my step. I'm going to use Jimbo's old saying. I hope Jimbo's watching. When we first got married, my wife thought <laughs> the fire alarm was the timer on her oven. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't even get that. <laughs> my wife couldn't cook when we got married. <laughs> I don't eat spaghetti today. <laughs> oh, not because she couldn't cook it. It's because that's all she could cook. <laughs> I mean, we had spaghetti with spaghetti. The next day, we'd have spaghetti without spaghetti. I don't know how she done it. I didn't love her cooking, but I loved her. See, we don't understand sacrifice. I don't love the way you're acting, but I love you. I can't finish this message and we're going to lose this year. <laughs> Preach it next year. A lot of us spent 2017 in religious obligational duty offering up demanded sacrifices. Got to go to church today. Got to pray today. Got to study today. And God said, that's a stink in my nostril because that's not love. It's all. I need somebody to tell you, neighbor, it's always been about love. And we've made it something else. Matter of fact, your offerings and your sacrifice that's not an expression of your love is unacceptable to your God. That's why Jesus said, no man takes my life. If they were taking his life against his will, it would have been an unacceptable sacrifice. He said, so no man takes it. I present, I present. 
I present my body because that's my expression of love. I need to close, so let me leave you with these scriptures, but let me leave you with these concepts first. You'll never be able to sacrifice properly until you realize what was sacrificed for you. In other words, all your religious duties, that's different from obligation because with every relationship comes duty. That needs to be taught on. But if you don't understand how much he paid to get you, what you pay to keep him will be unreasonable. I'm going to say that again. If you don't fully understand the price it cost him to get you, you will not be willing to pay the price required to keep him. Somebody said, well, it don't cost nothing to keep him. I got him and I can't lose him. Oh, yeah? Try that in your marriage. Try that in your marriage. I'm not talking about obligation. I'm talking about the sacrifice or the love that will always express itself through sacrifice. Quit doing it with your wife and see how long you keep her. Are y'all still okay? Are y'all still okay? So... I'm going into the new year with a whole new sacrificial system in my worship, in my obedience, and in my devotion. How? By not making myself do the giving, but turning back to the cross and realize what it cost. And then all of a sudden, I beseech you, brethren, based on the mercies of God that you present. You can't present well. You'll never present well if you have no understanding of how much it cost him to get you. When you do, he said it'll be logical. It'll be reasonable. It'll be reasonable service. Listen to this. You'll never be able to value others properly until you realize how much he values you. That's why you can drive by people, walk by people, and not know or care if they drop dead. That was really blunt, but think about it. Now that he's stirred me up, I watch people now, and I walk by people that just look me dead in the eye and just. And I always thought that God gave me this daughter-in-law to prepare me for that. Of course, Courtney's got a look. Has anybody ever got Courtney's look? (laughs) One. That Paul and all, you can drop dead right now for all I care. But I learned she really loved me. People look, and we just look at people. We just look at people. Ain't got nothing to say. Ain't got a smile to give. Ain't got a hand wave. Ain't got nothing. And you'll say, well, what's important is all that? It ain't about all that. It's a reflection of your value for people. You're not saying, it's too much trouble to do this? Or like us men do, is it too much trouble to? I just feel so cool when I do that. Do I look as cool as I feel? Are y'all following me today? Are y'all feeling me? Oh, that's not, that's crazy. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. 
Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? I'll tell you the greatest commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all by the way. Oh my God, I'm preaching this morning. Hey, how are you doing today? Let me get that door for you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe that's the problem. You treating other people like you feel like you ought to be treated. Because you don't understand your value. Oh my God. I got to quit. I got to quit. But before I do, I want to give you these scriptures. John 15 and 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, maybe you can't love properly because you don't know how much you are loved. So how am I supposed to love you like Jesus loved me if I don't get this teaching of how much he loved me? Love, love others. Write that down in your notes. John 15, 12. 13 says, Greater love had no man than this to lay down his wife. So I'm closing with this. He said, My house shall be called a house of sacrifice. A house of sacrifice is a house of love demonstrated by sacrificial surrender of my will. John 13, 34 through 35. Just, just write it down. He said, I give you a new commandment that you love each other just as I loved you. For when, Listen to this. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving others, everyone will know you belong to me. I bet, by the way, a lot of us act in our community that if people didn't really know us, you know, by our starched faces, this is how I go to work, never loving nobody enough to smile or speak or do a kind deed, that they may walk in this church and say, I didn't have a clue you were saved. I am so shocked you were born again. Because I could have swore your face was preaching a different sermon than the Bible you're toting. Oh, God, that was good. Somebody ought to tweet that. Let's make some T-shirts. We were all together today. My wife's got that shirt. I think we sold them here. It says, New Creations and... My wife has a bad habit of just smacking me. She's done it all our lives. She raised me. I was like 12 when you started dating me. <laughs> I wasn't far beyond that. And she always just smacks me. Pow! If I act silly, she'll just lay one on me. That's why sometimes when I'm around you and you go to fix your hair and I jump... I'm sorry, it's just. You can ask my family. We'll be around the table, and she can reach for the mayonnaise. And I... I just feel the love of God in here, and I can't quit. Somebody said, well, I wish you would. I got to go eat. I don't even know what I was going to tell you. She smacks me. Yes. Somebody's paying attention. And she had on a new creation. Now, I see one back there. She smacked me real good, and somebody called her on the carpet and said, that action does not, is not conducive with the shirt you're wearing. Some of us need to take the fish off our bumper. 
Amen. I got to quit. He loves you. He loves you so much that he laid down everything about it for you. The scripture literally says, loving me empowers you to be obedient. Last ingredient or the last thing that's found in the house where God puts his name is if you love him, there will be a constant expression of your love through your obedience. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What that's literally saying, that's not demanding you love him. It's simply saying, if you truly love me, I'll have no problem seeing it. Because it will continue to be surrendering its will. Is that fair enough? That's fair enough. Now, we prayed a prayer before I started preaching, and I'm not through with this sermon. Maybe we will take it into the next year. But he said, my house can always be set apart from any other house because there's always sacrifice going on in my house. There's always an expression of love through things that you're willing to give up. Through being willing to yield your will, your argument. This will change your marriage. It'll change your life. It'll change how you greet people on the street. Some of you are having a hard time realizing this because you have not connected this location in this church with a lifestyle on the outside of it. This house. Present your house. Present your body. Oh, God, he said in the book of John, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and me and the Father will come and take our abode in you. He said, all I'm looking for is sacrifice, and I'll move in. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.